I'm John McGill, our associate pastor. Hope you enjoyed Christmas. Good morning on this New Year's Eve Sunday. Thank you so much for worshiping with us at the end of the year here. The McGills were in Chicago this Christmas. That's normal for us. Kids, I got a question for you. Were you able to sleep on Christmas Eve night? It's very... Yeah, no, I, I know. <laughs> it's very difficult to wait for morning when you know that all those gifts are potentially under the tree. I've, I've been through what you've been through, trust me. We're going to get to waiting in a moment here. I just want to say a couple of things throughout this Christmas season. We have stayed within the book of Luke. Next week we'll pause the sermon series for a month, but then return to Luke in February. Last week Phil read the first part of chapter 2, and there we heard the Christmas story. Mary and Joseph made their way to Bethlehem, and there Jesus was born. And then the, the shepherds in the area, they were guided by the angel. They saw Jesus, they saw the great news, and they took that news to all the other shepherds in the area. Well, today, we look at the next set of verses in chapter 2. And here we'll be exploring what it looks like to wait, waiting faithfully. Yes, after all that waiting that we've done during the Advent season, preparing our hearts for the big Christmas day. Now we're going to unpack this theme of waiting a bit more. Turns out Luke has a little bit more to say about it right in the narrative after Jesus' birth. Probably a reminder to us that no matter how much we've learned something or experienced something, there's still more that God wants to teach us. So let's turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 38. Luke chapter 2 verses 22 to 38. And they read like this. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for gathering us here with the saints, with people that are seeking you out, people that know you, brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever it is that we are, Father, coming into these doors, we thank you that you have gathered us here 
on this New Year's Eve morning, and we bless you. And Father, we're just coming off the heels, celebrating the big Christmas day, Lord, celebrating your son coming into this world in human flesh. And yet, Father, we, we ask, Lord, that you would simply tell us more today. Would you simply prepare our hearts to hear what it is that you desire for us to hear? And may those words that are of you, would those be the words that dwell in our hearts richly, conforming us more into the likeness of the child born in Bethlehem, bringing us closer to you, compelling us, Lord, to have hearts of conviction and to bring you glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, before we dig a little bit, we're going to do a little warm-up. I'm going to put up some pictures on the screen here, and then you all need to tell me, and when I say you, I'm looking at mainly the children. You need to tell me what it is that people or we might be waiting for. So can we put the first image on the screen here? What, what are we waiting for here? Yeah, to get in, we're in line to, to get, in, get on a roller coaster. You ever waited two hours to get on a roller coaster? Yes, yes. Nikki took me to Cedar Point for my 40th birthday. That was more a gift for her than for me. And I remember waiting on a ride for two hours. I, was, I don't know if I was happy or sad. but uh, No, thank you. That was fun. All right. How about the next image? What are we waiting for here? Yes, waiting for our, our lunch, our Egg McMuffins, our, our dinner, whatever it is that we do at McDonald's. I'm there very often. You've got to use the app, of course. But uh, very common place for us to wait. How about the next one? What are we waiting for? The, the chickens to hatch, right? McNuggets got to come from somewhere. Very shameless, I know. How about the next one? Waiting for the cookies. When the cookies come out, it's joyful, right? Fresh baked cookies. Doesn't get too much better than that. Next one. Waiting for... Waiting to cross the road, right? We've got to look for that walking man symbol. Otherwise, it might be dangerous. When that walking man symbol comes up, then we get to cross the road. We find ourselves waiting at street corners quite a bit there. How about a, a last one? Waiting for midnight, the new year, right? All kinds of people here in Times Square. If you tune into Channel 7 or something, you'll probably see His Royal Highness Sir Ryan Seacrest, you know, orchestrating the, the New Year's Eve gathering and so forth. So... Actually, I'll probably be watching that, by the way, so you can join me there. <clears throat> Turns out, even though we've spent all this time waiting for the big Christmas day, there's still a lot of waiting that we do on a regular basis. And I'll tell you what, if you're like me, sometimes we just don't wait all that well. But in our text today, we're going to find three good examples of waiting, In these first set of verses, we find Mary and Joseph. After eight days, they officially named the baby Jesus, Jesus. 
Why did they wait eight days? Because that was in accord with the law in, in Genesis 17. Now, further according to the law of Moses, here in verse 22 of chapter 2 of the book of Luke, we find Mary and Joseph, after 40 days, going to the temple to be purified, where at the temple they would also present Jesus. And one more thing that Mary and Joseph did was at the temple they made a sacrifice. According to Leviticus chapter 12, New parents were to sacrifice a lamb, even though Jesus is the ultimate sacrificial lamb. On this occasion, Mary and Joseph were poor. They had no money to provide a lamb to sacrifice, so the law has a provision in there and allows for either two turtle doves or two pigeons to be sacrificed instead. And so that's what they did. And that would complete the process of purification, which if you were obedient to the law, you would have done. A lot of times, when we think of the New Testament, we don't think about all the various sin offerings and purification laws that we read about in the Old Testament, but here in the New Testament, we find Mary and Joseph adhering to the Old Testament laws to a T. What does God want to communicate to us there? He wants to tell us that Mary and Joseph were a faithful couple, a pious couple, and though just like Everyone else, they were in desperate need of a Savior. Every single person in this room, every single person we've ever ever met, misses the mark somehow. But here, Mary and Joseph, regardless, they wanted to be obedient. Jesus here was still a baby. And one day, he would redefine and become the perfecter of the law. But in the meantime, Mary and Joseph followed the law exactly as they knew how. At least they gave it their best shot. They waited nine months to have Jesus because of God's direction. They were obedient to the angel. They waited nine, eight days to name Jesus. They waited 40 days to present Jesus. They made a sacrifice. They were obedient. And there's our first lesson of waiting. When we look at Mary and Joseph, we see a couple that waited in a whole bunch of other good ways. And one way that they waited was with obedience. Maybe we're waiting for something in our life. Maybe we're waiting for something to happen. One way that the Lord calls us to wait is no matter the circumstance, strive to observe obedience. Disobedience never serves us well. Rather, it's always best to walk in step with how it is that God has called us to. Children, that means that if your parents tell you not to have a snack before dinner, it is best to listen to them. Your parents know what is best for you. All right, the next lesson we learn about waiting is found in the next character in the story here, Simeon. Who was Simeon? The text says, verse 25, he was righteous and devout, and he waited a long time to see the Messiah. Now, we don't get that much of a biography about Simeon. All we know is that he was righteous and devout. Was he married? What kind of a job did he have? And I'll tell you what, if all I knew about someone was that he was righteous and about? Well, I'll tell you what. There is no greater biography than that. Simeon was righteous and devout, and he was waiting. The text says he waited. That's why we're using that word. Waiting to meet the Messiah. Verse 26, we find out that the Holy Spirit told Simeon that he wouldn't die until he met the Messiah. How cool is that? You've got the whole nation of Israel waiting hundreds and hundreds of years for the promised Messiah. And Simeon here is waiting with expectancy. 
knowing with full confidence that he's going to meet the Messiah before he dies. So what happens? One day, when Mary and Joseph walk in and bring Jesus to the temple, the Holy Spirit also brings Simeon into the temple. And immediately when when Simeon sees Jesus, he knows it is the Lord. He knows it's the Messiah. He didn't need any explanation from Mary and Joseph of who this baby Jesus was. And Mary and Joseph were amazed at Simeon's reaction. They knew that Jesus was a miracle baby, and yet they still marveled. The text says they marveled at Simeon's declarations of praise, so much so that they didn't seem to have any qualms about handing their newborn to a complete stranger, Simeon. God used Simeon to be yet a next witness into who this baby Jesus was. Once Simeon took Jesus in his arms, he knew his mission on earth was complete and praised God, stating, Lord, you can now take me home. With Simeon, we find expectancy, a joyful type of expectancy. With Mary and Joseph, we saw waiting with obedience. With Simeon, we saw waiting with expectancy. For we are waiting on something to come or maybe a season to pass. However it is that we find ourselves waiting, we can remember that God delivered his own son to us in the flesh to be with us here on earth. God cares about us so much that he brought his son to us as a helpless baby, the baby that would grow into a man and live a sinless life and go all the way to the cross so that the things between us and God would be made right again. And if God did that, we can expect God to do a whole lot more good and we can wait on him with expectancy. All right, well, we're going to encounter one more person in the narrative who teaches us one more lesson on waiting, but before we hear about this person again, I need the children to join me up on stage. Yes, children, this is an activity for you. I need you to stay on, on this side. This side over here, okay? Yep, come up, come up on stage. All righty. Gather here. here up, up. Stay right here, buddy. We'll make sure we have room. All right. Kids, I have a present for you. You've probably received a lot of presents this past week. You probably don't need one more, but do you want a present? Oh, okay. <laughs> this is my daughter. Yes. Kids, do you want a present? Okay, sounds like you do, I think. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's, here's the thing. If you want a present, one thing you need to do is be patient. Can you be patient? I need you to stand here in absolute reverent silence for 10 more minutes. Can you do that? 10 minutes. Yes? All right. And you have to stand very still. You can hardly move. Are you able to do that? Okay. Okay. What do you think? Think they'll be able to do it? I don't know. Well, you you children are doing a pretty good job, better than I thought. Great work. I'll tell you what, I got a 10, 7, 4-year-old. They're represented up here as well. I know how difficult it is for them to be completely silent and still. 
I've got to change your heart. I'll tell you what, why don't we just do an old-fashioned countdown, kind of like New Year's Eve, and then when we get to zero, you get your present, okay? Does that sound good? Can you count down with me, starting with 10? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All right, great job, children. Now you all get your present. Come up here one by one. Everyone gets one. I'll hand them out as well. Go ahead, honey. All right, everyone gets a present here. What are they? Gummy bears. I think I might have just told you not to eat a snack in between meals, but ask your parents first if you can have this. There's like five or six in here. It's totally harmless. Yes, hey, good job, buddy. You can. All right, come, come here and get, get your gummy bear. Gas mommy. Here you go. Here you go. Yes, you got it, buddy. All right, everyone gets one. Here you go. Here we go. Good work, good work. Boy, you, pay, you children are patient. Good job. Your parents are doing something right. Here you go. All right, and when you've received your present, you can make your way back to your seat next to your parents. All right, great job, children. In verse 36, we encounter yet another person like Simeon who waited on God. This other person was named Anna. And as the text says, she was married for seven years. But then apparently her husband died. And she was now 84 years old. From the reading, it sounds like she spent a whole lot of time as a widow. The text goes on to say, she did not depart from the temple, right? She, was, she did not depart from the temple. That's what the text says. Now, I don't know if that's hyperbole. Sometimes when we say we never leave the house or we never leave the office, there's certainly truth there, but we do actually, in fact, leave, even if it's just for five minutes. But regardless, the text goes even further to say she worshipped with prayer and fasting morning and night. Basically, this singular elderly lady, Anna, was a fixture at the temple. You know anyone like that? By the way, if you are interested in connecting with precious elderly men and women, some who are actually experiencing profound loneliness, particularly during seasons like this, I can certainly connect you at one of our nursing home churches. There are some of you that are meeting with some elderly folks on a regular basis, and thank you for that. But please let me know if that's of interest to you. Well, Anna was a wife for a short while, but for decades she would simply live a faithful, widowed life devoted to God. <clears throat> one day at a time, one year at a time, always worshipful. And to her, it, it didn't matter how much time she had on earth. She simply worshipped and waited on the Lord with hope. And now one day we, sir, we see here, right after we see Simeon, we see Anna praising God when the baby Jesus entered the temple. She waited on God with patience. Despite the loneliness, despite the heartache from long ago, despite the whole world passing her by, she found contentment by simply being in the house of the Lord. She waited patiently. 
Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. At the end of her lifetime, she saw the Messiah with her own two eyes. And she got to do that with praise in her heart. She was full of hope the entire time, knowing confidently that she could worship and wait with patience. And so with Mary and Joseph, we learn to wait with obedience. With Simeon, we learn to wait with expectancy. With Anna, we learn to wait with patience. And imagine if Mary and Joseph decided to to cut a few corners, shave off a couple days from those waiting periods that are prescribed in the Old Testament. Where would the obedience be if we simply learned that, well, hey, you know, we can cut a few corners here and there, right? Things will still be okay. Where would the lesson be there for obedience? What What would that teach us about waiting faithfully? Imagine if Simeon spent every year at the end of December waiting for the ball to drop and then starting the year off angry that God didn't deliver the Christ child the year before and telling God, God, how come you didn't deliver the Messiah last year? Where's the, the lesson on expectancy there? Where's the trust in God's good timing? What do we learn about waiting faithfully there? Imagine if Anna had a smartphone and she brought her smartphone to the temple every single day, morning and night, during prayer and fasting. And half the time, she just spent all of her time looking at pictures of her friends at the beach because the days were getting too long and too boring for her. Where would be the lesson on patience there? What would we have learned about waiting faithfully? Obedience, expectancy, patience. Maybe those are things each of us need to take into 2024 as we enter into various seasons of waiting. And if obedience, expectancy, patience are too difficult for you, just know that you are not alone. See, the really awesome thing is if we are able to do those things, it's actually God who is helping us. And if we really do earnestly desire those things and yet we're still not making any headway, all you have to do is ask God for help and he will answer in his own way. When Simeon and Anna met Jesus, they were overcome with joy. The Bible tells us that faith is being sure of what we hope for. It is being sure of things that we have not seen yet. Simeon and Anna, they were sure that God had promised a Savior. They knew that the Savior was coming. And when they saw Jesus, they knew that Jesus was the Savior. All because they had faith that God keeps his promises. So often when we think of waiting, we just view it as letting the clock run out, hoping that God shows up at some point, maybe, if we think that's applicable. But when we wait faithfully, knowing that God will have his way, well, the length of time becomes less important to us. When we take obedience, expectancy, patience into our prayerful, hopeful waiting periods, well, it gives us a better way, and it's a more joyful way. And it will likely teach us something about God, something about his character, something about his goodness, something about his faithfulness, something about his kindness, something about his love for us. 
He's already given us all the evidence in the world that he cares about us deeply, and we just celebrated it on Monday. God came into this world in the form of his son as a poor baby, born to poor parents, and he lived a perfect life so that he would be the perfect sacrifice for us, so that he would go to to the cross and give us the biggest gift we could possibly imagine, the gift of eternal salvation. And now with Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, when we enter into those waiting times, we can enter them faithfully with hope, knowing that the Savior has us in the palm of his hand. Let's pray. Father, you are a good God. We praise you, and you know exactly where we are today, where we're sitting. We're sitting in anticipation of, of midnight, sitting in anticipation of next year. Father, 2023 might have been a joyful year, and we can't wait to see what 2024 has to offer for us. Or maybe it's a very opposite story for some of us. 2023 may have not been that great. We're not even sure what 2024 brings. Father, we pray that you would simply be our help. Would you help us, Father, to to wait for you with faith and hope? Lord, would you simply guide our steps, Lord, as we enter into this new year? Would we know, Father, that you are the one who does the good work? You sent your son Jesus into this world as a helpless baby, and we've been celebrating this ever since Monday. Actually, we've been celebrating every single year of our lives, those of us that have experienced new life in Christ. The child born in Bethlehem doesn't dwell in our hearts just one day a year, rather every single day. And Father, we're thankful that he went all the way to the cross, that little helpless baby. You could have sent your son in the flesh in any kind of form, and yet you chose the lowest of the low because you wanted to be with us. You care deeply for us. And Father, you are for us. We are your creation. You know exactly who we are and you know exactly how to meet us. We praise you on this New Year's Eve morning. In Christ's name, amen.